0: James Kandasamy.
1: Hey audience and listeners, this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth, True Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have a very special episode because we're going to be learning from uh, one of uh, a passive investor. Uh, His name is Mark Walgin, He's he's a doctor. And uh, hey Mark, say hi to everyone. Hi to everyone. (laughs) Mark, where are you located? Right here. No, know, which uh, which state I, is it?
2: <laughs> I, I'm
1: in um, Albany, Georgia. Albany, Georgia. Okay. So Mark is a, is a doctor, and he has a lot of experience investing in you uh, know syndication. Um, and we're gonna go through his experience, and we're gonna go, go through a case study where I think it was it was a really good learning uh, from his perspective in terms of investing and how to find issues with investment, right? So I think I, I when I heard about when I talked to him, I said, hey, you know, I have to get you on my podcast because I want other people to learn from your uh, experience as well. So, Marco, why don't you tell our audience, you know, have you? I do is your portfolio is all real estate in terms of investment or do you have stocks, bond, uh, precious metal? What do you do?
2: Um, actually, I've invested primarily in Skittles. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I I think I'm, I'm a lot heavy. Uh, I'm pretty heavily weighted in real estate okay. because- I've had the feeling, uh, as Kathy Fetke said in her podcast, that people mm-hmm. are going to want to live indoors. And you know, like when they had the Enron crisis, and, mm-hmm. and even like in the 2000s, when the internet bubble was coming up, and some of these companies went from high valuations to zero, uh, I feel like there's a, a real property here, you can go touch it and feel it, and it's got some value that's intrinsic. And if the person who sets it up doesn't Over leverage it, I mean, it probably will survive hiccups in the road. So I'm probably 70% real estate and 30% other things.
1: Okay. Okay. That sounds good. So as a doctor, I mean, I've, I've quite, I'm quite a number of uh, doctors investing with me as well. And I see, I think, you know, syndication in general is getting, becoming more popular and people are getting to know about it more. I mean, um, how did you find out about, uh, you know, real estate and syndication?
2: Well, it actually goes back to uh, 1996 when I was sort of done with my uh, orthopedic training. And at a party, I wound up meeting some friends and my brother who had discovered real estate, basically, you know, 20% down and positive cash flow and the cash on cash return was positive. And they had a great agent. It was in South Florida. And I wound up buying two houses then. And it worked out pretty good. I mean, you know, it was for the most part what they said, there's some hiccups in the road. But I wound up uh, through my job having some extra money, and I I paid them off. So I had two paid houses, and then I wound up um, going to another meeting and and learning about ten thirty one exchanges, and and wound up rolling those into some other houses. But I think the initial input was just the inspiration of talking to these fellows at a at a party I I met.
1: Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. And what about, uh, why do you think doctors, you know, uh, you know, why are they a lot, not a lot of them are investing in real estate?
2: Um, I don't know how to answer that exactly because I always feel like sort of an odd man out. You know, like, um, well, first of all, a step back. I think we as doctors go in every day and our job is to listen for a few minutes or probably five seconds if you ask the patient and then give advice. And so when I'm sitting in the doctor's lounge and I ask, um, how did you choose what to invest in or whatever, I have to sit down and buckle my seatbelt because I'm going to get a lecture because that's sort of the personality of a lot of doctors, at least in my world. And I just have found that a lot of them are more focused on their triumphs, like they bought Apple 15 years ago or something like that. They, of course, aren't going to tell that they bought Nortel and it went to zero. But you know, a lot of them are focused on their financial advisor and um, very few I found are interested in real estate. As a matter of fact, um, you had asked me as a preference to a book you're writing to see what it would take for doctors to, um, to be interested in real estate. And I remember I asked a few of them and I felt like I was, I was putting them under a magnifying glass. Like, how did you decide? And they almost bristled at it. So. I, I don't know that I can speak for doctors, but i I feel like it 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 made sense in terms of a, of, of an investment that's stable
1: got it got it um, and what about uh, i mean if if you want to tell you know uh, if you want to give like a a twenty thirty second advice to any doctors out there in terms of investing in real estate right i mean what what would you say to them right now
2: well um, a comment that i've heard more than once is that it's too scary to them. And I think part of the problem is there is so much advertising that goes into making it a smooth entrance, almost seductive. You know, Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, there's advertisements for everywhere. And you know, they, you almost wonder like, if these are such well-known names, why did they have to spend money on advertising? But it's still varnishing and, uh, and beefing up the brand. You go to NASCAR and there are Coca-Cola ads on the cars. Well, everyone knows what Coca-Cola is. Why do they have to do that? And there is a ton of money spent on brand consciousness. And so these are a lot of things in real estate get lumped into the alternative investment category. And unless someone has some curiosity and maybe a little um, bravery, you know, just to look at these other things, because they don't have the same... Uh, brand identification it's not seductive you have to like be interested in it and have a little curiosity to to investigate
1: what about doctors investing in like surgical centers and you know any medical office have you, have you come across them as well do you, do you think that they think that's more of a real estate investment that they can relate to
2: well um, that is certainly in their locus of control for example we have a surgery center but i can con- I can directly contribute to or take away from the profitability of that enterprise. If I was going to invest in a car wash, how do I know that the people who work there aren't putting in their pocket all the money? You know, I mean, there was one time when I was talking to one of my property managers in, in Texas and he had a small apartment building he was talking about and we couldn't really get past the point of like, how do I know without flying there if the guy wasn't going to keep one unit vacant and just pocket the rent and say, well, we could never rent this unit. Um, so, you know, a lot of it, it comes down, as I think we're going to talk about in a minute, is is trust in the operator.
1: Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so let's go to the you know some of the experience, uh, especially the, the the negative experience that you had in in syndication, right? Because I think a lot of times if you go to any podcast or anywhere you go, any conference, everybody talks about all the good stuff, right? And and you know, people don't talk about the bad stuff, and so that you know. But I think it's important to really learn from you know uh, a mishap or something a mistake or you know something that uh, like the experience that you're going to talk about so that everybody else learns so that they can watch out and they can uh, you know make sure that they don't do the mistake so let's talk about something that you and i talk uh, offline about you know where you you thought the the whole uh, scheme was a fraud kind of thing right so let's let's talk about that let's start with Know what kind of uh, investment is that, and uh, you know what happened, and how did you find out, and what did you do with that? So,
2: sure. Um, Actually, um,
1: I was interviewed on another
2: podcast, and if anyone wants to listen to it, if you Google the words how to lose money and my name, Mark Wolgan, you can hear it there. But basically, I was stung in a Ponzi scheme, and the problem is that when you're in any relationship you know, someone in your office, your school, your church or synagogue, whatever, once you get in a relationship where you know and like and trust someone, you can be led down the path. And that's what happened to me in my situation. So I was in um, San Diego, and it was, um, I guess it was in the mid-aughts, you know, 2000s-ish. And, you know, I had uh, heard of this guy who was a licensed mortgage broker, West Point graduate, and I checked references and did whatever I could at the time. And his idea made sense, and it's the same idea, the same plan that you do and a lot of sponsors do, where you buy a building, you add the value, increase the rents, and then using variables like uh, cap rate and other metrics, you can increase the value of the building. So, and the I mean, whole let me project.
1: Clarify something. What what year was this? You said year two thousand or two thousand something. I
2: think about two thousand five, two thousand six.
1: Okay. Okay, like fifteen years ago. Okay.
2: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, I wound up um, having many conversations with this guy, and probably like anyone who is good at being a fraud, they're very convincing. He was a bright guy. He had good probably contact management software. So every time I talked to him, it was like basically uh, picking up on where the conversation went off the previous time. Um, And, and it all made sense. And it's a little um, it it, in hindsight, part of the um, the signals of danger weren't there because you don't imagine it like until 9 11, you would never imagine jet airplanes would be a bomb. Um, So, it would be like going out on first date and talking about how to get divorced. And you really don't want your mind to go there right away. So um, you know, of course, I would go along and um, the, the buildings were paying dividends. And when we had a hiccup, there was always an excuse. He was going into sea level properties. And I remember at one point there was an issue because supposedly a gang member moved in and was threatening other residents. And you might as well have had one wing of the building burn down. I mean, you have to understand there's gonna be less rent and it's gonna be depressed for a while and no distributions, but then other buildings were doing okay. And point is I wound up getting lulled into this and, and um, investing too many eggs into one basket. Um, and then what happened is at some point, things didn't really add up. And I don't remember exactly what made investors seek out each other, but I lived in Georgia the places were in San Diego, and I remember being contacted by an investor who was in Orange County, California, and a realtor who was in in San Diego, and it turned out the buildings were in gross disrepair, and anyway, it just sort of went downhill from there. And what he was saying was, I mean, what the guy was saying that was that, um, you know, uh, I mean, he wasn't saying anything. It wasn't until the investors met each other and called him on it that the house of cards started tumbling in
1: but i mean i'm trying to understand so so the building was in disrepair i mean it's not doing very well right the property was not doing very well so uh was would do they keep on paying the payouts uh, is that why you think it was a misleading or what happened or did did the i mean i'm just trying to understand how is it a fraud or how is it a scam is it
2: oh i'll i'll, I'll elaborate I'm, okay. I'm just trying to keep the over overlying a high, high level view. No, no, I, I want to go detailed is-
1: because I want to to see what are the signals that any investor is going to pick up, right? Because that's very important because uh, so that people can really, you know, try to, you know, evaluate their investment and see, you know, take action when something goes wrong, even for their side. So, so I think this experience is very key because that's where you trigger. You may not, you may have missed out some signals that you think you should be caught by someone.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, I guess... In terms of uh, things that were red flags or, or warning signs um, so uh, i'm I'm geographically disadvantaged because I couldn't just jump on a plane I guess I could have I just chose not to um, but you know the hiccups are when like distribution stopped but I wasn't just in one building then I mean because things had been going well I wound up I was in four buildings and um, so um, you know the other ones were kind of doing okay so it was it was something that you would compartmentalize. But in, in terms of like with the advantage of hindsight and had I to do it over again, um, I think there are higher levels of, of due diligence. Um, I think there was someone I'd listened to, I think you interviewed him, uh, Jeremy Roll. He's uh-huh. a very experienced um, passive investor. That's and he talked say. about flying out to meet people, which I've never done. Um, and certainly there's better ways you can drill down into the numbers. Um, I was, this was like my first syndication. So I had the school of hard knocks and as Mike Tyson says, there's nothing that changes your perspective like a punch in the face. And I had a big one, but you know, the the fact is that there were other stones I could have turned over. I could have gotten more, um, uh, more detail about, you know, what he thought was gonna happen with the economy. Um, and uh, uh, I could have pressed him more on when when the hiccups happened um, you know it's it's so unfair to compare what I know now to what I knew then you know it's probably like the first time you went out on a date and found out they were cheating on you or something you just don't imagine it until until mm-hmm. it happens
1: so was that I mean I'm trying to understand was the deal didn't just didn't work out or did did the person didn't have a deal or you know I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really
2: I can flesh it out more yeah so, so a lot of the A lot of the information came out when uh, the lawsuit happened. And as someone with some funds, I wound up paying all the lawyers. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I wound up, there were 43 people who were ripped off of upwards of $8 million. Mm -hmm. And this was around, I guess, 2008, nine, that it was becoming obvious. Mm -hmm. And um, the real estate market was crashing. And it was in San Diego. And so there were two lawsuits going on. One was that he had, uh, this guy had criminal. penalties against him and then there was our civil suit and the civil judge was not going to do anything until there was a criminal decision and the criminal the DA side was not going to do anything because eight million dollars apparently at that time was small potatoes there were so many other scams and uh, frauds going on or disputes that um they'd never demonstrate they never put the uh the effort towards investigating from a criminal standpoint, all these cases that they were having. But in the discovery phase, we had this guy in video depositions and he was talking about how he had his staff just say anything to raise more money. And he just considered that his money. I mean, one of the crimes is conversion where you convert, he converted our money into his money. I mean, he would get money and go to Vegas or buy a car and you know when I went to actually meet him, I was out in San Diego for a medical meeting and he had a beautiful office on an eighth floor with an overlooking view of the San Diego Bay and it was a how do you afford this right? And so there's much more that I knew in the discovery phase, but the problem is once you introduce lack of credibility or dishonesty into the relationship where it was previously unsuspected, I mean, you could get away with a lot once you have the credibility, um, but his car, house of cards was was crumbling. So, I mean, there were people, uh, of, of all the 43 investors, I probably talked to 30 of them and several were retirement age and he had uh, convinced them to cash out their investments and put all their money with him. I mean, I had people literally crying to me. I had an Iraq war vet. I had a woman who had breast cancer and just people were very upset by, what he did but he has to be some sort of sociopath a normal person doesn't do that i'm sure if you're in the store and the lady in front of you drops a five dollar bill you don't think cool i got five dollars no you're going to say ma'am here you dropped five dollars but he doesn't have that gene and so um i you know I, what is the message to take away that's the hard part to understand and so um i was talking to uh, another sponsor um and he was saying, you know, find someone you trust and and really work with them. And my argument to that is, I thought I did. Maybe I didn't do a good enough due diligence, but I sort of looked at diversifying. You know, I mean, you can't, you you like like people say, buying stocks. Why look for that needle in a haystack? The next apple, just buy the haystack. You know, buy the the index. You know, or something like that. And so I guess that's sort of my takeaway. There's a certain amount that you cannot know, because people don't have a C on their forehead for criminal.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, 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 I'm tra- so I'm trying to see the sequence of events. So someone, so basically this is your first, I mean, that was your first uh, real estate investment, investing with someone else. And do you know the other investors So everybody was just pulled as a, just as a, as a individual, I guess, right?
2: Well, I met him when the thing started going bad. I okay. mean, there was probably okay. about four or five that we had a lot of emails and mm-hmm. communications. But okay. when I invested, I didn't know any other investors.
1: Got it. So everybody put in money and is this a multifamily or what kind of, is it a medical office building or what kind of building is this?
2: No, they were multifamily apartments, okay. you know, probably like 16 to 25 units in San Diego in a C
1: area. Okay. In a C area. Okay. So, so basically everybody invested with this guy. He had a nice, uh, you know, um, you know, aura and he was a good guy and everybody listened to him and was it done with the SEC regulation paperwork and all that? I have no idea. Okay, maybe you can't remember. It's already fifteen years ago, right? So
2: yeah,
1: because usually I don't know. Sometimes you can do it as a JV too, or sometimes people just don't do any of it, right? They just do paperwork, right? So, so, um, so this guy had this. He had like this four to five buildings, and what did he do any payout at all of that buildings?
2: Oh yeah, I mean that's that's why I got led down the path. I mean because okay. you know it's like here, put some meat on the hook, and I'll just follow it along. But it would be like. You know, I, I was getting payouts. In mm-hmm. fact, at one point, probably in the spirit of no good deed goes unpunished, one of the buildings, he was falling behind because I guess with this gang member or whatever, mm-hmm. he was behind on the property tax payment. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a hero, I said, Well, let me loan you the money for that and let's set it up at 8% and you pay me back. And he said, I don't know. He's hemming and hawing, you know, play hard to get. And then mm-hmm. basically, I lost more money by trying to help that, but I thought I would be paid back once he gets back up and running and, and gets the building back in the black. That okay. got lost too.
1: So was it like one building at a time, the investment, or was that the whole building was bought together as an investment?
2: No, no, there was um, like four buildings, four or five okay, buildings. four buildings
1: and there was payout happening. And how many years was the payout happening? Do you remember?
2: Um, probably over about three.
1: Three years, oh, so three years payout was happening and suddenly the distribution stopped and uh, were you getting communication from him when throughout the time payout was happening were you getting oh, you like that i mean okay. if you had
2: a doctor who was giving you money and was investing with you he took my calls i mean it was okay. it was very reliable i mean i was a hmm. vip of course
1: no but were you but you only invested once with him right on, on out of that three years the first time you invest and throughout three years you were getting payout, I guess you were getting distribution and that's when it got stopped.
2: No, uh, just to put the big S for dumb on my head or whatever. I mean, I would get a bonus and I would say I've got some more money and so I'd put some more into another project with him, so.
1: Okay, so it's multiple project. It's not like one project, I guess, right?
2: Oh no, there's uh, like like he would, uh, first there's building A and then say, well, I got another one here and Maybe that would okay. fall through, and, and say, oh, I got. It. I'm going to roll it into a third one, and I'd say, fine. I thought, well, you know, I do surgery, and this is what you do. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you don't lose my money, um, we're good.
1: Got it. So it's a multiple project, and you keep on putting money because you're being getting payout, I guess. Right. Right. So okay, got it, got it. Yeah, that that can be misleading because no one. A lot of times, I see passive investor when they get start getting money, they say, when is your next deal? Right. So that's what people think because everything is going fine. I'm <laughs> in that club. Okay. Okay. So. Um, so you got payout and after that, on the third year, all the deals stopped paying and he disappeared or was he communicating before that and he stopped communicating? What happened on that time? Oh,
2: well, when, when things started to implode, it was when the investors started talking and then the, um, some of them went by the buildings looked terrible. Uh, mm. When I was out there for the meeting, I actually drove by two of the buildings and they were unkempt and weeds overgrowing. And um, mm. you know, I said, I need to meet him. And it was very, tense meeting. I mean, he was up in this beautiful office. Mm -hmm. He was smoking like a chimney, you know, just this nervous laughter. And it was quite clear that whatever he said was going to become non-credible. And at that point, I had retained uh, an attorney. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at that point, I mean, he didn't just disappear. I mean, he was under criminal indictment. You know, we wound up putting uh, list pendants on properties. And, you know, he had this uh, criminal threat. And of course he got his own lawyer. But um, so I mean, the, the lawsuit part took well over a year anyway. Mm.
1: So. So, so during the payout time, nobody visited the property, I guess, right? when everything was going fine, nobody visited the property, only when things stopped, then that's when you and you know, some of the other investors went and visited the property, is that right?
2: Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm 2,800 miles away, so I didn't. Mm. And I didn't know of anyone else Okay. And because you know one property might have a hiccup the other ones were paying mm-hmm. so i just thought well we'll get over the hiccup and you know in hindsight he was just just like any ponzi scheme you get invested funds and you make up fake statements and you pay out to your investors so they think oh we're doing great mm-hmm.
1: interesting interesting so so i think the I mean, what I'm, what I'm learning from this discussion is, you know, I think there are some, so what you have done is, what has what has happened is you were given the perception that everything is going fine because you're getting payout, correct? You've been getting payout and you you are, since you are getting payout, you have been keep on investing with him. And is that right? I mean, would that, yeah. be, would that be a fair statement? And you probably didn't look at the financials. Like, I mean, even though you look at the financials, I mean, not many people understand the financials very well, right?
2: Well, there, there's, uh, that's true. Yeah. And even at this date, I still feel like there's a certain amount that you just have to let go. For example, uh-huh. and I'm sure you have your PPMs, but you look at the PPM for other syndications, uh-huh. and they have right in the language that you know, the uh, management appropriately is up to the operator, right? Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you as the operator don't want me to jump up and down and say, you know, we're in this apartment, but I want you to build a 60 foot pink guitar in front of the building, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's got to be that you're doing the best thing for all the people. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, I have to have the faith that you're going to do the right thing. And because of the lack of control and, and really insight, I guess if, if I did come and make a big stink with one of the sponsors, you know, they probably would show me stuff I, I really haven't. But, you know, by the letter of the PPM, they could take their family to Australia go in a four-star hotel and book it to the building and call it a business expense and I would never know unless I had did some audit or something like that
1: yeah a lot of times I mean uh, it's really really completely up to the sponsor right so you know they are the control and and I think it's that's where it's important to find very high integrated very, a sponsor with high integrity, right? Because, you know, it's, it's a lot of controls given to the sponsor, right? And a passive investor, it's always passive. So so um, that's very interesting. I mean, um, I, I think I've heard the same news from other people as well, from other passive investor who have lost money as well. A lot of times the payout keep on happening and the investors keep on investing because they think everything's working fine, right? Uh, but I think uh, at some point everything starts. everything stop and later when you find out actually okay they're paying out from somewhere some other place right it's not really it's not really from the real estate itself right the real estate doesn't pay right so well
2: well, you know the other thing is that you know in hindsight he leveraged these places quite a bit and had he had lower leverage we might have survived the the speed bumps but mm -hmm. you know when we sat there in the mediation you know through the lawsuit you know what was amazing is that there were people he knew from high school that were marks or were suckered into this thing and I still don't really fully understand the psychopathology that leads someone to rip off your high school buddies I mean to capitalize on those relationships you know from 20 30 years or however long it was and say give me your money and then essentially steal it so I mean this is not a weird guy and I've likened it to the like when these people the other investors were calling and really distraught and crying. I, the only thing I could say is like, some part of this is just dumb luck, right? I mean, there's some people who happened to buy Apple 20 years ago, and there's some people who happened to be in a restaurant when a terrorist came in and blew it up. And which side of that coin on, you have zero control over.
1: So uh, were there were uh, any attempt to sell the buildings and recover the money?
2: Oh yeah, so um, the, uh, I think three of them wound up getting sold. Um, at basically a wash, you know, so, I mean, I think the investors probably got nothing back, but it was um, uh, just to get out of them. Um, The other thing is that uh, there was one of them, and this is another no good deed goes unpunished, a really bad judgment for me, but because I had a relationship with this guy, I did it, but at one point, we were like on the 11th hour to close on this building, um, and it was in San Diego, and um, he said, the lender needs a personal guarantee and will you do it? And I was like, why should I do it? I thought it's non-recourse and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, you know, he said, it's going to close tomorrow. If you will just do this, we'll refinance and blah, blah. And I said, yes, stupidly. So I had like this choke call around my neck to make sure that building got sold, you know, that I didn't wind up getting dragged down, which, you know, knock on or thank goodness I didn't but um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it just was basically loss of principle. So I didn't get dragged down the, the drain with the building, but I mean, he, they were poorly managed. Now, here's another example. So one of the units in that exact building, uh, he said was unrentable and it would need a $14,000 plumbing repair. Well, at one point the investors fired him as property manager and this new property manager had a plumber with a handyman or whatever, run a snake down the drain And for 50 bucks, that unit became rentable. Hmm. So, I mean, you just don't know what you don't know until you get this other opinion.
1: So does this guy have a track record of managing apartments before that, or that was the first time, or did you you all investigate that before investing?
2: Well, my investigation was, give me some references. And I talked to three people who said he was good. Um, He was a West Point graduate, which I had verified. And he's a mortgage broker in California with a license, and that was the really extent of my due diligence because I didn't really know about due diligence, and I had no idea that uh, it could go this bad. And the other thing is, uh, I think it gets back to the luck part. You know, I mean, I just don't think that everybody who starts out syndicating um, wants to talk their high school friends into like giving them money that they're going to buy a condo with in Vegas or something, or I mean, or go to Vegas.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy, right? So. So uh, what would you advise to someone else to avoid this kind of uh, you know, trap?
2: Oh, well, I think, it's, um, I, I think there's a, a lot of things that really go with your gut because once you write the check, the dog is off the leash. I mean, you really don't have the control. And I think the currency that sponsors uh, value is their reputation because they could do this once. Like I don't know that this guy's out cheating other people, but um, uh, which, which goes to another point. But um, the the fact is, like if you were cheating people, you would have your money dry up right away. Um, but on the contrary side, the point I was going to make is that this guy who I would be glad to have, be on a billboard and say he's a criminal, I can't do that. You know, for one, there was a lawsuit settlement and. Um, I don't think anything I said here would be violating any of that. And if it is, he can sue me. I don't really care. But, you know, the fact is, I can't go on um, on a billboard wherever he lives and say, don't invest with this guy. He's a crook, right? I would be sued for slander. And so how do you ever um, find out that people are, you know, are are, are are not above board? And so I think, you know, part of it, like like Jeremy said, he flies to places. I think that's great. I don't have the Wherewithal for that. Um, he mentioned about doing background checks. I think that would be important. I think if you as a sponsor had a hiccup about a background check, that's a red flag. Um, I think he also mentioned about, I need your name, date of birth, and your home address. And if they didn't want to give that, they'd be like, huh, well, what are they hiding, you know, or something like that. And I, he, he just said he didn't even need the home address. He just see if they if they'll offer it or something like that. Um, and so, I don't, I don't, you also have to look at the big picture, right? Do the numbers make sense? Like there's one that I invested in and I'm not really worried about losing money, but I know they overestimated. And they said the IRR was this and there's no way it's gonna be what it is. But I, I've been in touch with them and I'm not that afraid that it's a Ponzi scheme or that I'm gonna lose. I just think it'll be less than what I thought. Um, so if the numbers are too brilliant, that's kind of something you gotta think twice about. Um, but uh, you got to, you know, and doing research about the, the area, you need someplace in the path of employment. I think these days with COVID, everything has just got a cloud over it. And I don't know how to, how to really judge. Uh, but um, I think a big part at this point is, is you're really investing in the person, you know? Um, so uh, there's a, there's a doctor I know, Tom Black, you know him too. And mm-hmm. he's, I've, I've put some money with him, but it, he's very responsive and he's performed and you know it, it's the same thing you you um you build up your um your credibility with the more times you perform he's gone full circle you know so i mean those are things that that are more data points you know like a scatter graph you're looking at a trend like is something going up or down but if it looks mm. like you threw paint against the wall there's not really a trend mm.
1: got it got it got it well awesome mark uh, Thanks for coming in and sharing. I know it's a bit very sensitive topic and you have to share a lot of your past experience and past mistakes. But I think that's, that's where we add value to other people, right? So that other people don't make the same mistake, right? So really no, appreciate no you coming I'm, and sharing. I'm scarred over at this point. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Well, uh, peace out and thanks for
1: having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you.
0: That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audio book. It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audio book completely free along with other valuable resources by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audio Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for multifamily investors group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.